So welcome. We are in uh, week three of this message series that we're calling Storybook. And it's all about us just appreciating kind of just how amazing the Bible is and appreciating who Jesus is. And it occurred to me a while back, I don't know if you guys have ever thought about this, but the Bible is God communicating with us. If that doesn't like freak you out a little bit, if that doesn't like excite you a little bit, if that doesn't stir something inside of you, you might not really be fully grasping what I'm saying. It's, it's God communicating with us. And that is such a big deal that we want to really try to really understand what he's really trying to say. It's that big a deal. And we've been talking about just how amazing his word is. It's doing two things at the same time, right? As you're reading through the Bible and it's full of all of these different authors and all of these different like genres and it's, it's, it's sermons and it's history and it's laws and it's poems and it's chapters and it's verses and all of them are like working together to do two different things. And one thing is to just instruct us and teach us who we are and, and why we're here and how we should live. And simultaneously, while it's teaching us and instructing us through these stories and through these poems and through all that stuff, at the same time as it's doing all that, it's also telling us a story. From Genesis to Revelation, from page one to the very end of the Bible, it's telling a story. And that story leads to Jesus. And it reminds me of the, that video right there. It's, it's like going through your chronological photo album of your family, right? Every picture in there, you could take out every picture in your photo album. Oh, it's a wedding or it's a graduation or it's a vacation or whatever. You could pull that picture out of the thing and you could examine it and it would evoke something in you. Oh, I remember. And now you get this emotion, right? Or now that I had that experience and I'm kind of reliving that experience. Or maybe you can think, I really learned something in that. So that picture can do all of those things. It can bring out an emotion in you. You can help you relive an experience. It can teach you something, but the greatest value of any one of those pictures is when you put it back into the photo album and you realize that it's a little part of the great big storyline of your family. And in the same way, the Bible is full of these snapshots, right? Chapters, verses, poems, sermons, stories. And each one, of, you could take any one of them out of the Bible and examine it and it would give you an emotion. Right? And it would be, you could experience that passage, that individual passage, and you could learn something from that passage, but really the greatest value in that passage, any chunk of the Bible that you take out, any snapshot that you pull out of this thing, its greatest value is when you plug it back into the Bible and you see that it's part of this incredible storyline, this amazing story, and the whole story points to Jesus. And so what we're doing is we're taking out some snapshots. Right, one at a time. We're pulling out little passages and we are examining that passage. And we're saying, what can, it's like three parts. Part one, what can we learn about that? Right, let's talk about what we can learn about that. And then let's talk about part two, what can we learn from that? So like, it's a cool story, but what does it have to do with me? Right, how does this apply in our world? How does this little story apply and matter in my story? 
And then the part three is we're gonna put it back into the timeline, back into the Bible, and we're gonna see where that little snapshot fits into this great, big, amazing story that leads us to Jesus. So last week's snapshot, we looked at Genesis 1 and the garden in Eden, this perfect place that God created where God and man could come together. And today's snapshot is also from Genesis 1, from day 6, which is kind of like the climax of the creation story. And I know what you're thinking at our current pace. (laughs) By Christmas, we'll be in Genesis chapter 3. And that's... it, it. it's gonna go faster, it's gonna go faster. Um, this first part of the story just sets up the rest of the story so much. So much of what's gonna happen later is gonna refer back to what's happening here. So this first story is super important. Um, this, the garden narrative is, is, is huge, but I promise you, we will move on um, after next week because we, we gotta talk about the talking snake. We can't skip that story. Um, but this week's snapshot is, again, this is, I'm gonna say, the climax. This is the crescendo of the creation story. It's our introduction to the next characters in this eternal story of God's love and redemption. So this is gonna be Genesis 1, verse 26. It says, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. And they will reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and the livestock and all the wild animals on earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. So you guys ready? We're gonna do part one. We're gonna see some stuff that we can learn about that little snapshot. And the first thing that comes to my mind, honestly, is kind of a sidebar. So this is not the message uh, per se, so this does not count against my time. Um, um, And I'd just like to say women. How many of you are women, just real quick? Okay, got some clarity there. Um, Women, you should get ready to say amen. Okay, if you've never said amen in church before, today's your day. Okay, so just get ready. My sidebar is, one thing we can learn about this passage is, in this passage, you can see gender equality in God's perfect design. That wasn't it. Save your amen. In God's perfect world, before sin, before Satan corrupted everything, men and women were created of equal value and of equal dignity. They were different from each other, but their strengths or weaknesses or differences were inconsequential compared to what they had in common. Because what they had in common was that their value, their dignity, their identities were derived not from their maleness, or their femaleness, their value and their dignity and their identity was in that they were image bearers of God. And the world of men, we'll read a lot about this, the world of men dominating women and treating women like property and this this, this constant struggle for women to be treated with dignity and respect, get ready for the amen. 
This world of men dominating and putting down women was not part of God's perfect plan. It was part of the consequences of sin. Amen. Amen. And all the men said, Larry, we'll talk to you after service. <clears throat> so no charge for that, and that, that's, that's not today's sermon, although that'll preach, but that's not today's sermon. Um, what I wanna talk about today is this, that mankind, male and female, humanity will say, was different than the rest of creation. Completely different. Everything God created, it says, was good. But mankind was different. Humanity was special. God said for man to reign over all the other creatures, like to, to be the king of the world, to, to, to be over the plants and the trees and the fish and the birds and the animals, on all those things, animals, fish, birds, they were good, but humanity was different. Um, they were different than anything else. They were really, they were, they were the grand crescendo. They were the best part, the most important part of creation, and you know why? because humanity was made in the image of God. So we've said that a million times, huh? Let's think about what it means. <laughs> Mankind was created in the image of God. So let me show you a picture. Let me ask you a question. Is that Jorge? Is that Jorge? Yes. Our student pastor, is that Jorge? Yes. No, that's not Jorge. That is his image. That's not Jorge. That's made with lights and colors and a screen and a projector. That's not Jorge. That is an image of Jorge. We can see Jorge in that image, right? You might say that image represents Jorge. It's not, that's not Jorge. But that image represents Jorge to us. And man was made in the image of God. Why? So that people so that the whole world could see God in humanity. They were made to represent, they were an image of God. They were made to represent God. There's all through the Old Testament, you see these prohibitions about creating an idol. I mean, doesn't it strike you that God was pretty picky about that? Why can't we have a picture? Why can't we make a statue? Give us something to hold, right? Why was God so picky about it? Why does he not want us to create an image of him? And the reason is because he had already done that. God already created an image of himself. Genesis 2, 7 says he formed man, right? Everything else he spoke, he formed man out of the dirt, right? Not with light, not with a projector, not with a paintbrush, not with clay. He, he formed man out of dirt into his own image. Man was to be a representation of God to the world. So in his image, God created both Adam and Eve. And that, I mean, that gets confusing too because their names, Adam and Eve, actually have meaning in Hebrew. So Adam in Hebrew is the word Adam. Let me hear you say Adam. If you want to dazzle your Christian friends, don't call him Adam, call him Adam. Then though you're really spiritual. Adam means human. Adam, that's what it means. It's a word, it's not just a name, it's a word and it means human. And if you really break it down, it means like the one made from the dirt. The dirt creatures, right, that's you, right? The, Adam, the, the, the one made from the dirt. And if you really dig into the meaning of this word, it might mean red dirt. 
the one made, so if, you know that dirt up by Lubbock? Apparently that's where Adam was from because he's made from this like red dirt. So Adam means human and Eve comes from the word Hava, which means life. So Adam and Eve together are human life, humanity. In fact, all through these first three chapters of the Bible, when you see the word man, or you see the word the man, or you see the word Adam, it's all translated from the same word. And that word is Adam, which means human, it means man. So, like Genesis 2-7, it says, let's put it up. Then the Lord formed Adam, then the Lord formed man, then the Lord formed Adam from the dust of the ground. He breathed a breath of life into his nostrils and the man became a living person. So when it says A-D-A-M in the Bible, it's not always clear. Does it mean Adam, the dude, or does it mean Adam, which means humanity? So God said, let us make Adam, humanity, in our own image, and apparently one of those Adams was Adam. Follow me? One of those Adams, one of those humans, was Adam, and one of them was Eve. And God gave Adam and Eve, I guess God gave humanity an assignment. And as an assignment, we just read it. He said, be fruitful and multiply. And Adam said, on it, boss. Come on, Eve, let's go back. Right? <laughs> That's in my translation. Uh, uh, and God's like, hang on, there's more. <laughs> That's not the only instruction. He said, fill the earth and govern it and reign over all the creation, all the animals and plants and trees and fish and birds. So humanity was to reign over everything. Humanity was royalty, right? They were, they were reigning, ruling over God's creation. You guys with me? Go like this every once in a while so I know you're following, okay? So last week we looked at Eden as this place that God created so that man and God could be together in this really perfect place and man could experience God's presence there. And remember the image shows up later in the tabernacle and in the temple where in the most holy place, right, in the middle of the tabernacle, the priest could actually experience the presence of God. But that was divided off. There was a big veil. You couldn't get, you couldn't get into that place. That was, only, that was only for the priests. Only the priests could go in there and you know, be where God was. And the priests were these like, really special people, and they performed these sacrifices for everybody else. So like you and me couldn't do a sacrifice. The priest had to do that. He was the only one. And so I was thinking about, well, what is he doing when he's performing a sacrifice for all of us and all of our sins gonna go on this goat or lamb or whatever and he's gonna kill it and throw blood everywhere, then what, what's, like, what's happening? And what that is, is that's the priest kind of cleaning us up and making us presentable to God. Yeah, so that's like the priest is kind of representing us to God. He's representing the people to God and he's also representing the goodness and the blessing and the rule of God to the people. Yeah, that's, so I'm gonna say that's what a priest does. He represents the people to God and he represents God to the people. And he takes care of the temple, cares for it, and watches over the temple. And similarly, 
Adam and Eve were God's image, so they were representing God to the world. And they were caring for and watching over the holy place of the garden. In fact, Genesis 2.15 says, the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. And those Hebrew words for tend and watch over the garden are the exact same Hebrew words that are used in Deuteronomy and in Numbers and in Leviticus to describe the work of the priest to tend and watch over the tabernacle. So probably just a coincidence. So Adam and Eve's assignment, humanity's assignment was making babies, which was recreating God's image and their assignment was governing and ruling over God's creation like royalty and their assignment was being the priests, the ones who would experience God's presence of all the creation, only humanity, right? It's gonna really experience God's presence in worship and really obey and protect God's word and his space and they were assigned to represent God to the world as his image and to represent the world to God as his holy priest. So in this little snapshot, right, in the photo album, we meet Adam and Eve, human life, and we see that they were called by God to be royal priests, to rule over creation, and to reflect God to the world, and to experience his presence like a priest, and to, to be with him, and worship him, and obey him, and protect his word, and protect his space, so that all human life, all of humanity, all Adam could see God in the image of himself that he had created. And that was a big calling for them. That was a big assignment for them. Um, how'd they do? Wah, wah, right? They, they, they blew it. They, they chose not to trust God and they caved into sin and they chose their own way over his way and they were... Um, exiled from the garden and they, they broke apart God's creation so that everything got messed up and God's space and man's space were divided and God's perfect place was corrupted and paradise was lost and man has been separated from God by sin and the world has been spiraling ever since. So with conviction, please repeat after me. Thanks a lot, Adam. Let's try it again. Thanks a lot, Adam. You ruined everything. So there you go, that's part one. We've taken it out, we've studied it, we've examined it, a little bit about Adam and Eve, we learned some stuff about it, and so now let's talk about what we can learn from it. This is part two. What's the application, right? How does this really old story apply to your story, to my story? How does this really old story apply to our lives today? And what can we learn about our, our world and our lives from this story? What, what is this teaching us about who we are and why we're here and how we should live? And I think one thing is it teaches us about purpose. I mean, this story answers one of the great mysteries of life. You know, every philosophy has to attack these questions, right? You're like, what am I here for? What's, what's God's plan for my life? What is my purpose in life and one of the great lies that people believe that trash our lives was when we believe that our purpose is in being rich or famous or successful or thin or popular or religious 
People, people choose those purposes and then they give their whole lives to those purposes and then they realize that they're unsatisfied and they realize that they're discontent and they realize that their lives aren't fulfilling. I think the application of that whole thing about Adam and Eve being these royal priests, I think the whole application of that is that this, this purpose, right, this, this huge calling to be the image of God, to be God's royal priests. That calling isn't just for Adam. It's for Adam. It's for humanity. It's for us. Adam is us. We, we are human life. We are created in God's image to represent him to the world, and we're called by God to be his royal priests. So this is old stories, oh, it's Old Testament stuff. First Peter 2, 5 says, you are his holy priests. So what, is that? so what does that look like, right? What's the job description? Well, it gives us, you're his holy priest, and through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. That's your job now, right? That's your job, is that you are, you are his holy priest, and through the mediation of Christ, you're supposed to be offering spiritual sacrifices that are pleasing to God. So first thing I read that, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I can't do the blood. I just, I just can't slit the throat of a lamb. Yeah, I, just, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I can do the sacrifices as a, as a priest for God. Good news, in the New Testament, the sacrifices have changed, okay? So praise Jesus. So Romans 12:1 tells us what the sacrifices should look like, right? He just got through saying, you are the royal priest. You're supposed to be offering these sacrifices to God, not cutting the throat of a baby lamb, but instead, these are your sacrifices. Romans 12, 1. So dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. I plead with you to give your bodies. This word in Greek is the word soma. Let me hear you say soma. And this word doesn't just mean like your skin, right? It's not just talking your body. It's not just talking about this machine, right? It's not just talking about this tent. It's not just talking about this, like somebody called it a meat suit that we live in. It's not talking about this. It's talking about everything, right? Your whole you, your whole self, your body, your mind, your spirit, your energy, your passion, your love, everything about you. That's what it means when it says your body. So let's read it again. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your soma, give your whole self to God because of all he's done for you. Let it be a living and holy sacrifice that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So that's how we represent ourselves to God. That's how we represent humanity to God as priests. That's how we represent the world to God, by laying down our stuff and by giving our whole self to him. That's how we represent ourselves. That's how we represent humanity to God. And we represent God to the world by showing and telling everybody about God's goodness and about God's blessing. So it's not just Adam and Eve. We are called by God to rule over creation and protect this world and experience his presence and to be with him and to obey him and to live our lives as a sacrifice to him and to tell the whole world about his blessing, to tell the whole world about his goodness. So that the, why? So that the whole world can see God in his image. 
in us. That, that's why we're telling the world about Jesus. We want, we want the world to see God in his image. More importantly, we were created for the purpose of the whole world seeing God in us. So our job, our purpose is to reflect God to the world as his image and to represent the world to him through this act of sacrifice as his royal priest. And so Adam was supposed to be a royal priest. He was supposed to be this perfect image of God. How did he do? Failed miserably, he blew it. How did Adam do? How did humanity do after Adam? Right, same, they blew it. How do we do? We're Adam, right? I mean, for me, I don't think I've lived up to that calling (laughs) super well. I mean, knowing some of the stuff that I've done and some of the stuff that I've said and some of the stuff that I've thought, I don't think I've always been a good image of God for the world to look at because I've, I've caved in to sin and I've caved in to pride just like Adam and Eve did. And I haven't always given my whole self as a living sacrifice to God. And I've missed lots of chances to represent him to people. I mean, I repre- I, I've passed lots of chances to tell people about his goodness and to tell people about his blessing. And I wanna do better and, and by his spirit, and by his power, I will do better because I see now that laying down my stuff and giving everything to him and telling people about him is my purpose. That's why I exist. And if you're a human being, how many of you human beings? Almost everybody. That's your purpose too. So that's enough, that's part two, right? That's what this really old story about Adam has to do with us. He was supposed to be God's royal priest, and so are we. So that's part two. Let's go to part three. You guys doing okay? Yep, okay. So this is where we take this snapshot. We've seen what we can learn about it. We've seen what we can learn from it, and now we're gonna return it to the book, right? We're gonna put it back in this storyline and see where this passage somehow uh, fits in to the big storyline of this amazing story that leads to Jesus. And so this question we're asking is kind of like, what does Adam have to do with Jesus? Right? <laughs> they lived a long time apart, right? One's in the Old Testament, one's in the New Testament. These are really, what does Adam have to do with Jesus? So for thousands of years, and even now, when you read this story of creation, um, it kind of leaves you hanging, right? It's like watching a movie but not watching the end. It's the worst, right? Because it's like it, the story needs something. Um, it's a great story. You know, God created this perfect temple. He gave Adam and Adam uh, the job of being his image and his representative and his royal priest. And I mean, it's a great story, they're all set to live happily ever after. It sounds, I mean, it's a great plan. It's, it's a great story until Adam blew it. And so, you know what the story needed? It needed a better Adam. The story calls for a better Adam. God created this amazing, perfect place where God could be with him, be in a relationship with him, 
be in a partnership with God. We could, we could represent God as his image. We could enjoy his presence and his blessing. And then he gave Adam the choice and Adam threw it all away for all of us. Adam ruined it for Adam. Adam ruined it for humanity. And it wasn't just Adam, the dude, Adam, all humanity has chosen pride and lust and greed and hate over God, all humans, and, and ruin this perfect world. In fact, Romans talks about it. Romans 5.12 says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. It's like, it's like a virus that got in. <laughs> what a weird little illustration that was. Um, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world, and Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, because everybody sinned. And so now God's space and man's space are separated by sin. I mean, we need a better Adam. We need an Adam that won't jack everything up with sin and won't mess everything up with pride. We need a better Adam to take us back to that place where God and man can come together. We need a better Adam to restore God's kingdom and God's perfect creation. We need a better Adam to be faithful and to overcome temptation and to overcome sin. We need a better Adam to represent God to humanity as God's perfect image. We need a better Adam to represent humanity to God and do what none of us have done, which is really make our lives a living sacrifice so that man and God could be together in this perfect place. We need a better Adam to be the perfect royal priest that Adam couldn't be. We need a better Adam to be fruitful and multiply and to birth a new humanity, a new Adam that is taught by his word and that is inspired by his example and that is empowered by his spirit. We need a better Adam that can that can bring about a new humanity. That's why we call it being born again, right? It's, that's what it means. We need a new humanity who really can be the royal priest that Adam couldn't. We need a new humanity that can live the life that Adam hasn't. We need a new humanity that can be what humanity was meant to be, which is God's true holy image. We need a better Adam. Who might that be, right? I mean, <laughs> what man is the perfect image of God? Well, I don't know, Colossians 1.15 says, maybe this is too vague and we don't understand it. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Right? <laughs> he, he represents God to the world perfectly, right? He is God. Who really did make these sacrifices, really his, his whole body? Who's ever done that? Who's really laid down his entire self for humanity? Who's, who has ever made a sacrifice like that so that humanity could be the royal priest that Adam couldn't, so that humanity could live the life that Adam hasn't, so that humanity could really become what humanity was meant to be? Who really made a perfect, holy, full, complete sacrifice of his whole self so that we could become the new humanity? I'll give you a hint. It's Jesus. It's, it's Jesus. Jesus offers the life that Adam threw away. And it's not just any old life. It's new life. It's better life. 
It's, it's eternal life. It's rich life. It's satisfying life. It's abundant life because it is life in the presence of God under his rule and under his blessing. Listen, it's the life that Adam and Adam were originally created for. It's the life we were created for. It's the life you were created for. Jesus is the better Adam. Jesus is the one that gives us this life back. 1 Corinthians 15, 45. I don't want you guys to think I'm just making this stuff up, okay? Here's my... 1 Corinthians 15, 45. The first man, Adam, became a living person, but the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. Revelation 1, 6 says, Jesus... Jesus has made us a kingdom of priests. Jesus has made us a kingdom of priests. Romans 5.18 says, yeah, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everybody, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. So Jesus, the new Adam, the better Adam, offers us a new life. He offers us what does it say? A second birth. But this time we're birthed into a new life, a new humanity, a new Adam that is taught by his word, that is inspired by his example, that is empowered by his spirit, that is enabled by Jesus to be the royal priests that God created all of us to be. But listen, just like Adam, he gives us a choice. Same deal. He's created us for the same purpose. He's given us the same choice. We can choose God's way and we can be in his image and we can live in his blessing and his power and his rule and his presence forever or we can choose our way, man's way, Adam's image and we can try to bless ourselves in our power and in our rules and apart from his presence, separated from him forever so I guess my encouragement today is choose better than Adam did choose God's way choose Jesus and if you're not really sure how to do that and you should get sure you should get sure so after the service today I'm wandering around in the lobby talking about important stuff like how my house is coming and my golf game and that kind of stuff. Please interrupt that and say, I want to choose Jesus. I would so love to help you with that. Joy said it earlier. She's out there. She's talking about how great their singing was. Everybody's telling her how great the singing was today, right? Maybe somebody's complaining about one of the songs. Either way, interrupt her and say, you know what? I want to choose Jesus. Can you help me do that? Go back to our prayer corner. There are people back there right now that would love to help you choose Jesus. Go to our Connection Center. Tell them you want to choose Jesus. Go to our first-time visitors little station over there. I want to choose Jesus. They will either help you do that or they will find me so that I can. If you're watching online, let us know in comments or chat. We will contact you. If you need help, we want to help you choose Jesus so that you can live the life that God created you for. It's new life. 
It's better life. It's eternal life. It's rich and satisfying and abundant life. It's the life God created you to live as his royal priests. Amen? Amen. Okay, let's pray. God, thank you so much for, for choosing us out of all creation, choosing us to be your image, choosing us to represent you to the world and choosing us to represent mankind to you. And God, I I know all of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of that. So I thank you for Jesus, the better Adam, who takes away our sin, who, who destroys this thing that separates us from you, who empowers us to live the life that he has for us, a life without sin, a life of purity and holiness, a life where we're really representing you to the world. And Lord, we thank you for Jesus as he represents us to you. He is our perfect royal priest and he empowers us to be royal priests. So thank you for this amazing calling. Thank you for Jesus who makes it possible. In his name, amen. Look, if you're visiting with us today, we would love to know that you were here. Please go to our first timers little box back there. I'd love to talk to you for a second. And don't forget to stop by the table for the Share Center and participate in the baby bottle boomerang. And next week, a weird story about a talking snake. We'll see you then. <laughs>